Thank you for tuning in to another Bucks of America podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Veteran Innovative Products. They make several different products throughout their entire catalog. Their most famous one is the Veteran. It is their flagship broadhead. It is a 100 grain broadhead. It's going to be used on both compound and crossbow use. It is the first never fail mechanical broadhead. Comes in at 100 grains. They have a big brother called the Veterans Well, but it's just 175 grain. Now, this is made of high quality steel, making it dang near indestructible. I'm quoting Matt on that one. And it also comes with a 175 grain practice point as well as a three pack. When you buy the broadheads. Now they also make what they call the Atom Broadhead. Which is very unique and in its own design. It's all razor blade cutting. They also have the Guillotine Broadhead. Which is a fantastic device to uh, broadhead to be using during this time of turkey season. And they also have the sought after Hog Log. Which is quite revolutionary when it comes down to it. Now the uh, website to visit all this stuff is VeteranIP.com. And for our next sponsor is MV Outdoors. Now, this brand is built on strength, perseverance, and determination. See, it offers a full line of apparel and accessories along with it. Their commitment is to those who are not willing to accept defeat. Check them out on Instagram and mvoutdoorsandhunting.com. Now, they've given us an exclusive code to use called WiseGuys for 10% off your entire order. Now, our design and other things else that uh, we utilize for our uh, product line is we use we utilize Cajun Unicorn Designs based here in America. They, they uh, customize anything and everything by allowing you to add a, a taste of the Southern life to yours. You can find them on both Instagram and Facebook for their catalog of products and designs. Now the very my next one is my favorite one is Cook's Fatal Attraction. Now there is they have a CWD certified deer herd. None of our none of their scents are carried over from the previous year, so they they start fresh every single year. Now the scents are collected from yearly from early fall through the rut, so their their scent is hundred percent pure. So there is no water or preserve additives to preservatives added to the their mixture. All the bottles are tested for freshness freshness by their quality assurance staff, and they'll ship directly to you, which is pretty badass. Now, this year, I used their products, the uh, Dominant Buck, and I also used a certified doe estrin for when I was during the rut. So what ended up happening is that I actually ended up bringing bucks onto my property that I've never seen before. And I got proof of it, too, which is pretty sweet. I'm pretty excited for this upcoming uh, hunt. I've been looking for, this will be going on my fourth year for Dark Man, so I'm hoping Dominant Buck will bring him within shooting range for my arch, for my, uh, veteran so i'm looking forward to punching my tag with him then if you want a much further and much detailed breakdown our friends over at where to hunt uh, podcast uh number episode 54 it's called getting inside the buck's head this is where eric and rich cook sit down and they talk about certain strength certain scents to use both during peak rut season and during the off season you can see all the results on their instagram page and you can check out cooksdeerscent.com for their entire 
catalog of products. Now, this most recent one, I'm actually pretty excited about. It's called Easy Cut. They are a product here made in the United States. They make saws, she, uh, um, shears, bunch of unique devices that are best utilized when you're tater, uh, tailoring your uh, ground blind or your tree stand in the tree to cut everything down. I've been using this product now for two years. I put in this application to become part of their pro staff here a few months back, and I got accepted, which I'm pretty excited about. They make a fantastic product. I, it, it cuts extremely well. What makes it so revolutionary is that it uses a vent to, on a small handsaw to help push away the sawdust as you're cutting. Now, I've used other products out there. I'm not going to name them, but they worked. But they just didn't have the elasticity that I needed for it to, to actually put a full day's worth of work in. And it's just like you can tell in the quality of their steel and their and their teeth. So please check out EasyCut.com. You can find them on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, the whole nine. These guys are great people. They're based here in America. I highly recommend their products. Now, this episode is pretty special. I got to sit down with Ryan Nordahl the owner operator of Epic Whitetail Habitat. And we sat down for about an hour and we talk about what is his influences, what got him into this, and then what uh, was his inspiration. I was very humbled to sit by next to him and talk to him about his project. He's got several major accounts coming up over the next several months, and he is a wealth of knowledge. So thank you for tuning in for this episode. Please rate and review the podcast. And uh, here, without further ado, here we go. So thank you again, again, for joining us here at the Bucks of America podcast. Tonight, I have brought on our special guest, Ryan Nordahl. He actually developed a company called Epic Whitetail Habitats. And so, Ryan, why don't you tell us what is the story behind it? Talk about your journey and where you are in your life now because of starting this. Okay. Well, I grew up in the dairy farm industry here in Wisconsin on our family farm, about 20 minutes south of here in a little town called Hickston, Wisconsin. Um... After graduating high school, I went on to tech school at CVTC in an ag-related field, and I come back and mm -hmm. went into partnership with my brother on our family dairy farm, okay. you know, just 30 registered Holstein dairy cows, and I did that up until 2011, All right. and my brother still continues to this day with the dairy farm, very successful in his own way, but... Uh, you have to provide meat on the table. Yeah, yep, and I guess I just... Uh, Went off on my own, trying to do my own thing, discover myself mm -hmm. a little bit. And uh, in 2013, at the end of deer season that year, I had the opportunity to go with a couple of friends of mine right. on a property walk with Jeff Sturgis, who is another habitat consultant mm -hmm. in the upper... Well, he goes all across the United States, wherever whitetails roam and everything. I think he's been on the Wired Hunt podcast, I Yes, believe. I believe he has. 
Yep, he's very knowledgeable, and I have a lot of respect for yeah, Jeff. I've heard, of, I've listened to that pod. I've, it's like I can. It's for some reason the name sounds very familiar. Yep, and I've also listened to a lot of Wilder Hunt podcasts, and it's like that's like I think I've heard him because it's like he he whenever he's on, it's usually about an hour and a half to our conversation about how we approach this things. And isn't he? He's based here out of Wisconsin, isn't he? Yeah, I think he's from the Coon Valley area. Oh, very nice. So that yep. makes sense, and why I've, I've why I recognize why I recognize yep. his voice. Yep. Um, what is his? Whitetail Habitat Solutions is the name of this. That makes sense. That's yep. why I've, I've seen it pop up on my feed yep. more than once. I, I have a lot of respect for Jeff, and I've learned a lot from him. Mm-hmm. And that particular day, I learned a lot and took it back to my own property, uh-huh. my main 80 acres that I hunt and manage, and uh, which is located down in the Hickston area as well, okay, just so off you, of you, our you, family you, farm. You, so how many acres is your house sitting? Because right now, guys, we're at Ryan's. He, he was invited us into his home here. And so how many acres do you have in your own place? Here at our own place, we have just over 17 acres, Okay, which is mostly open pasture, old farm fields. and uh, Not really conducive for whitetail habitat? Either. Not at this time. Oh, okay. It is my goal to improve the habitat around here there's a lot of things Talk i can about do success story though because like you said it's very open like and i yep. got the pleasure of driving here right at sunset now um those who have driven through um central wisconsin here osseo area is just absolutely gorgeous especially the time yes. that i hit it it's just like man it's like a just awesome to own a house up here yes. but it's like you have to be a you have to almost have your own business to be out here because it's very removed from eau claire lacrosse madison it's 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 very rural in a sense yes but it's it like, is you can build something out here so yep but anyway that kind of turned the wheels, meeting Jeff and uh-huh. walking my friend's property that day. And uh, I just took the ideas and strategies back home with me and started, you know, just really scouting out my own property and okay. how the deer flow through our property and uh-huh. why they use particular, you know, one particular funnel and all this mm-hmm. other stuff. And it just kind of all came together and I just started doing, implementing the strategies that Jeff reiterated that day okay and uh as the years have gone on Mm -hmm. had gone on i just you know why am i not maybe doing something like jeff is doing and other habitat consultants that i started to follow Mm -hmm. why can't i true so now, when you met up with Jeff, was this a uh, class that you took, or was it something by period? No, it, it was a pure consultation. Okay, my friends had found Jeff mm-hmm. on, I think, online, or they were following him on his YouTube channel, whatever they were doing, and uh, mm-hmm. that's that's how I met Jeff was through a friend of mine. Okay, so, um, but yeah, again. Why can't I be doing this? Yeah, that leads me to my next question. It's like, why did you choose uh, whitetail habitat improvement as a career path? Well, my biggest passion has always been the whitetail deer. I was introduced to whitetail deer hunting at a very young age. I started going with my dad, sitting in a tree with him at the age of six years old. I was Mm -hmm. in first grade in 1984, so... There, I just dated myself. (laughs) Wow, it's like, that's that's the year I was born, so it's like, pretty much. Yep, yep. And uh, I just fell in love with it, and... Um, deer, when deer season would roll around, especially archery season here mm-hmm. in Wisconsin, it consumed my life. I mean, oh, gotcha. even even on the dairy farm, I would keep chores to a minimum, and I would hit the woods, <laughs> especially okay. when the rut would hit. And uh, did it affect my work? Yes, it did. Mm-hmm. But uh, I never sacrificed my my cows either. Okay, you know they always got what they needed. But hunting just consumed my life. It was mm-hmm. my passion, mm-hmm. and I knew. You know, as deep of a passion as I have for the white-tailed deer, you know, 
hunting isn't everything is what I always heard in my life. You, uh-huh. You're never going to make a living hunting. You know, all this negative talk around. Um, jealousy is usually yeah, what I yeah, yeah. When, when negativity comes up is usually jealousy because I had an opportunity to coach the podcast here last year, but he whispered, listened to the whispers in his ear and it's like, and I told him it's all, it's all jealous. And, and, he, and I'm sure once he listens to this podcast, he'll know who, who I'm talking about here. But when you start hearing the negativity, it's like you're doing something right because they're jealous of something yes. that they don't know how to commit to. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. And uh, so I asked, I asked a friend of mine, you know, why aren't we doing this? Mm-hmm. And all those re- all those reasons why came up again. Too much competition, things like that. And, and the more I just, I really got into personal development and stuff mm-hmm. and learning about competition and business. Mm-hmm. And that should be kind of one of your motivating factors mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. dominate. And, True. and that's kind of what I've set myself out to do is to... You know, I have I have a lot of respect for everybody that does what I do for a living, mm-hmm. and I have an open mind. I listen to them. I yeah. watch I watch their content as well. You know, taking bits and pieces, and I developed it into my own way, mm-hmm. in my own system. And and the tactics and strategies I use are working for my clients as well. And that's what I love most about what I do. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. it's my I'm giving back to people really don't know. I've opened up a lot of eyes mm-hmm. to my clients and they see stuff and it comes back, you know, the feedback I get, wow, we never we never realized, you know, that you could do this for a mock scrape or, you know, how much a water hole here would draw a deer in here more and mm-hmm. hold them here. You know, all kinds of th- habitat improvements. Just little, little strategies that people really actually don't think of. And, I mean, it's it's eye-opening, not only myself, my self-discovery, but just watching the clients that I work with, watching their eyes and their body language. It's, it's, it's totally amazing, and it, I'm, I'm very grateful for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been called, you know, self-righteous and everything else, and no, man, I, I'm just grateful for where I've come, mm-hmm. where I've mm-hmm. developed my mindset and everything else. I'm just grateful, and I want to share now, what 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 other? Um, I don't know. Since you since you since you're so early on in your career, what about um, since you've been doing just focusing on the whitetail? What other uh, animals in the in the ecosystem have benefited from your changes too? That's a great question. Um, rabbits on my own property. Uh huh. Um, not really known for rabbit okay. country, but wow! Just in the last five years since I've been implementing you know, hinge cut bedding areas and things like that. The rabbit population has just exploded. Rough grouse. When I was a kid, there used to be rough grouse just about everywhere in this, in this area. And, uh, as I got into middle school, high school, my college years, there wasn't a lot of rough grouse around and it actually became a real rarity to see a rough grouse. Here's a thought too, since you come, you have a little bit of farming background, mostly cattle, but do you think uh, pesticides played a role in the effect on the, that habitat for grouse? Um, I don't. I think a lot of it had to do more with predation. Okay. And uh, I was always curious about it because it's like yeah. I know growing up in like I grew up in Iowa and southern Minnesota, yeah. and there's a place that had uh, that was a season, but it's like I never seen one before. And I, I sure. still, still to this day, I have still never seen one besides what I've seen online or yep. on. On, on Randy Newberg's uh, uh, shows and stuff, but it's like I've never seen one. It's like, well, I'll be fun. I've always wanted to taste it because I'm always a, a yeah, you know, like, oh, it's, it's very good. Stuff. It's very good. It's a, kind of a delicacy. Mm-hmm. And, 
and I enjoy rough girls. I don't. What else has benefited from your your strategies? Yes, um, just even even coons, possums, um, squirrels. Mm-hmm. You know that predator effect. You know everything can. Turkeys is number one. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. poults in the spring when they're born, they can crawl underneath those pockets of brush and everything that we create with hinge cutting. Okay. And, uh, yeah, our turkey population has turned around. Mm-hmm. Um, we're fortunate the last couple winters, too, of course, that have been pretty easy on the turkey population. Especially this season. This Especially season this ridiculously year. easy. Because right now, for those who are paying attention to weather, it's like down in St. Louis, Illinois, those guys got 14 inches plus snow, and we're at... 35 degrees today. It peaked at some places. Yeah. Travel today. Yeah. And no yeah. snow anywhere, especially yeah, no, on the like, south sides of hills. And it's like, I'm looking forward to the, like, the next couple of seasons because, like, the, the deer that are going to be born this this spring are just going to, they're going to have some very good, strong genes and they're going to be spoiled because it's like, wait until that, uh, a nasty deep freeze like we had back in 2013. Yeah. I remember that one. Uh, yeah, I do. Because at the time I was living in Rochester, we had 99 days below zero. Yes, I remember that very God, well. I bet, I bet over here in this hill country, I bet, yeah. I bet it had to be cold. Oh, yeah. Definitely was, and uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, it is. And so now the unique thing about Ryan and I here, we have what we have a friend in common here. His name's uh, Bruce Hutch, and he runs the Whitetail Rendezvous podcast, and he's out there in uh, ATA right now. And he, I, the first time I got introduced on the podcast, he was still in the in just in the mid uh, uh, one fifty range. And then and when I got to meet him, it's like listening to him speak, and it's like and being from like I, I moved, recently moved to Lacrosse that time. I was on his podcast no more than like a couple of months after moving into into the area, and it's like and he told me about his passion about how he, like how he went to school here, graduated college yes. from here, and he always he has a soft spot for the area. But he's just a great guy, and then it's like I listen to your podcast, like this is gonna be a good way to bring the people more uh, in the light and just to piggyback off what you did because Bruce used, has a very distinct uh, pattern to his, and it's like he delivers a lot of high energy. Very yes. in a short period of time, and it's like everything you gather from his podcast is is just golden. Yes, it is. It, it is, and I had the fortunate. So, how did um, you come? How did you get introduced to, to Bruce? Um, I got introduced to Bruce. It was basically on Instagram, I do believe. Mm-hmm. He made a comment on one of your Bucks of Wisconsin posts on Instagram, and okay. that's just kind of how we connected. He uh, reached out to me and asked if I'd want to do an early season success back in September of okay. 2018 this mm-hmm. year. So basically this past year, when I had, uh, just after I had harvested a buck that I'd been after for the last two and a half, three years, mm-hmm. and uh, a buck that I had named Captain Hook, and mm-hmm. we did a podcast on that, very enjoyable one. Uh-huh. I listened to it just this past week, and it's like, I want to get prepped for this uh, for this for tonight, and it's like, that's really, it was really cool, and because um, what I do is, when I see something that's worth a story... I always I just tag him to it because like when I saw your buck, it's like this is early season. He'll love this, and then sure enough, it worked out. Because yeah. anytime I find somebody like that here in the state of Wisconsin, I always try to bring it to his attention, and he always loves bringing the people on. And and doesn't always work out in his favor, but you know sometimes they, they connect yep. and it works and it, and it works out. Yep, and it did. It uh, when I had the fortunate, uh, I was fortunate enough to meet Bruce in person. Where, where'd you meet him at? I met him up at Northwoods Brewery in Osseo. Oh, nice. When he yeah. was back here this, this yeah, past when fall, he was back here we were trying November. to hook up to go hunting, but it's like I couldn't get the time off to go to work out. So this, this, so next year, yep. I've already put my my PTO in for Halloween. Good. And I told him, it's like, I show him the bucks that are, that are like, we're going to be out here on Halloween. I'm, I'm sure we'll both be able to get a buck and it will be good to go. Because we've been trying to meet up the last two years. And then last year, he got in that really bad accident. Yeah. He rolled over and it's like, man, and it, 
it was the day I um, shot my buck. Is like I was wondering, like I hadn't heard from him because mm-hmm. we were supposed to meet up. Well, that's when he calls me from the hospital and he told me what's going on. It was just heartbreaking. But yeah. he, he took the time, even though he was recovering and he had bust up ribs, but he wanted to hear my story. And then we sat down early this or midsummer mm-hmm. and I told him about my experience and what happened to it. So my episode dropped here recently. It's uh, 542. Okay. So if you want to hear more of my story or you for bet. those who are listening to us, it's like I just I love talking about it because it's so you was my first archery buck and you know it's like anytime you go hunting it's like we're storytellers that's why we're yeah. hunters we like telling stories. story absolutely and it also brings us out of our no it's like our own way of um our uh, mental health yeah it's it's a way to reset our, our mind because it's like i work in front of a computer all day i work from office i love my job because i help i help veterans on a day-to-day basis that's awesome. and, it's, and it's like we help people all across the country and our my company has just been flourishing so it's been nice to work with that and to be able to do the podcast so yep that's awesome. Now, um, I want to ask you, what is some of your, what are the three major areas you focus on when you do your hunting, uh, your habitat consultations? Well, the three major areas are food, water, and cover. Okay. And uh, when I go to a property, those are the three major questions that I ask. And, and a lot of guys really don't know, you know, if they're not doing food plots or anything else, where is the main food? You know, are they just getting it from... Hard masteries, soft masteries, things like so that. Explain masteries. I don't masteries know, I'm not, I'm not is be that. like an oak tree producing acorns. You know, oh. hard mass nuts, and then soft mass would be like apple trees, um, pear trees, persimmons trees, things like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Soft fruit kind of. What what, what, uh, what do you consider um, corn or soybean? Um, I just consider that an agricultural. Agricultural. I'll just yep. ag. Fair enough. Yep. Okay, so I'll learn something new about mastery because it's like I've never heard it. Now, we, so we discussed about the food. What about water? So Water um, water is one, like my own property. We don't have any water sources on mm-hmm. our 80 mm-hmm. acres that we primarily hunt. Okay. And uh, a lot of guys think a cold running stream is preferable, you know, a preferable water source to deer. And yes, a deer will drink out of a stream, um, but deer really like... They'll drink out of a mud puddle because they like that warm, kind of stagnant kind of water. Mm-hmm. I mean, a deer gets a lot of the water it needs from the food that it eats, especially like when we're growing these food plots. A lot of plants are over 70% water, and, mm-hmm. and that's meeting a deer's requirement. A deer doesn't require that much water in their mm-hmm. daily system mm-hmm. or in their daily needs, so they're getting a lot of their water from the food that they eat. Mm-hmm. But... Mm-hmm. Uh, you're in a property that lacks water mm-hmm. and you add water to it. Say um, a lot of guys will dig in a hundred gallon tank, mm-hmm. bury it to the, you know, buried into the ground, just to the top edge mm-hmm. of the water tank and stuff. And uh, the pull power that that has, mm-hmm. the attractiveness that that water hole has mm-hmm. is just amazing what it can do to I've a property. I've seen that uh, uh, in the out west with the Rocky Mountain Owl Foundation, what they do out there in, in New Mexico and Arizona. Yeah. When I've yep. seen some of these shows Great out examples. there from uh, uh, Randy Newberg's hunt, uh, his his show, and then from Fresh Tracks and then Solo Hunter, because they'll, they'll, they'll go back and they'll at least give them a plug because everybody that's part of an outdoor show out west is part of that foundation. And yep. even here in Wisconsin, I mean, we had our first inaugural elk season here in this year, and it's just, it was successful. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then the... Uh, the third thing is cover. Mm-hmm. Um, I go into a lot of properties where you could consider it a park effect, where you could basically stand on one end of the property 
and look all the way across the other end. Mm-hmm. And deer don't like that. The old thinking is, like in my dad's generation, come rifle season, we want to be able to see every deer on the property mm-hmm. for as long as we can, mm-hmm. as long a distance as we can. And that's great in that theory, but a deer, especially a mature buck, come fall. Now, in the summertime, they don't like a lot of thick cover. A buck doesn't with that velvet covering on their antlers. It's mm-hmm. sensitive, and they can feel that. So, mm-hmm. you know, they, They're still growing. Yeah, it's still growing. And, I mean, you get a wound on your finger, you definitely don't want that rubbing up against anything. And mm-hmm. a deer is the same way with his antlers as they're growing springs in summer and early fall. And uh, it really doesn't hit the thick stuff until after velvet drops. Okay. So, but when is hunting season? Mm-hmm. During the fall. Mm-hmm. And that deer is going to that thick, heavy cover. And I go into these properties, and that's the first thing I look at is cover for one, you know. Um, food is the primary. Mm-hmm. If you don't have the food, you're not going to have the deer either. Mm-hmm. You're going to get a lot of those nocturnal photos on your trail cameras and stuff, and what they're doing is they're bedding on, an, on a neighbor's property or a few properties over, and they're coming through years under the security of darkness because mm-hmm. you're probably over-hunting your property for one, so a deer knows that. They mm-hmm. pattern you just like you're trying to pattern right, them. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's why they show up on your cameras after the cover of darkness, mm-hmm. and uh, they get dubbed nocturnal. Mm-hmm. Um, and we could save that for another podcast. No, we can we, we can talk as long as you want. So yep. you, you want why don't, why don't we why don't we dive into nocturnal? Well, nocturnal, you know, all oh, these deer are nocturnal. You know, they're not showing up until dark. Mm-hmm. Um, they're showing up right at the last light. Whatever, they're nocturnal and. That it's true in theory, but in reality, it's not. A, a deer eats five times during daylight hours. Okay. And like I said, if if you've got that park effect land or you're overpressuring your land, you gotta you have to hunt every single day that you have a little bit of time. You you've got to get you know you the classic cases I like are and there's nothing wrong with this. It's your property. You can do what you want, but. You get those classic cases. I got an hour and a half left before before uh, dark, mm-hmm. so guys got to get out there. I got to get my time in the stand. I got to get my time in the stand. Those deer are pattering and pattering you mm-hmm. just as much as you're trying to pattern them, mm-hmm. and you're overpressuring your land, things like that. You don't have the cover. They're off on a neighbor's land somewhere else, mm-hmm. and they're tr- traveling through your property under the cover of darkness mm-hmm. come deer season because mm-hmm. they were there all summer long during daylight but once yeah. season hit your scent got laid all over and mm-hmm. those mature bucks know that mm-hmm. and that's why you're not getting them until the cover of darkness and even the trail cameras can set off a deer yes you know, that's very um, true i was just not done telling you about that story about dark man yep. it's like it's like and then this year i actually caught him on on on, on camera but it was at dusk yep. but it's he actually didn't skid away and it's like you know I, I i didn't see much more after that but it's like i think he changed his pattern because this year where he came off of this off um cornfield sure and so with the cornfield out there her and i we didn't touch the property very often i think we we didn't our first set wasn't until uh was it the 20 like like the third weekend of October, and that mm-hmm. was it. We otherwise than that, we would come out like every time it was a rainstorm. That's when I go and check out my trail cams, and yep. then I'd, I'd walk back out, and that was the last time I touched it. And if I didn't see him moving on there, I knew I'd just leave it because they were still in the corn. So it's like, well, I'm not going to go out there if I'm not going to do that. And I sat one morning. Um, that it, well, actually, that was a, that was by that, that was set morning in October. 
I saw a doe come right by, and it was, it was like clockwork because she always kept on showing up. Sure. And she she wheezed, and then it's like, well, probably not going to see anything more after that because I haven't seen anything else. I mean, I saw a little spike buck, but where I hunt at in Minnesota, you can't uh, shoot anything less than four points on one side. So it's yep. like, well, all right, then, well, you know, like I already, I have my gut instincts speaking to me. It's like I might as well just back out, check my trail cams, get everything set up the way I want, and then just leave it alone for a couple of weeks. And then, sure enough, and I didn't go back out again until ooh, pretty much close to my birthday. The last time I went back, and then, then it's like I did one more set in December, and it's like I didn't have the movement going through. It's like, you know, might just have to wipe my hands today of this and then just kind of relook at how I want to focus it next year. Yeah. And, but I still go out there, and, I, and it, like after the season ended, I went out there, and, and I don't need to worry about putting any um, bricks out there, salt licks, because there's no snow. Absolutely right. no snow. So it's like they have plenty of opportunity. And plenty. with the amount of rainfall we have a lot of acorn trees out there and so like there's a lot of it out there so it's like you know they, these guys are gonna have they're gonna be very they were well fed yes and i think next year if, they, if we have another consistent wet year i think they're gonna be another what well fed year as well yep yep so what is your involvement with the the entire uh consultation plan um what i do is like i said is i meet with meet with my client on their property mm -hmm. and I always recommend that they bring along whoever else hunts on their property too. Um, not only does that help offset cost, everybody can help pay for it basically. Because mm -hmm. what I do is, you know, I have expenses too. I have travel expenses, mm -hmm. sometimes lodging expenses, everything else. So it all culminates mm -hmm. and that's where I come up with my pricing point. So to help offset that, I always recommend that the landowner bring in whoever hunts on their land as well and mm -hmm. to help pay for my consultation and my plan and whatever other work I do as well. And it seems to be a fair, fair thing for the clients that I do have. And uh, I do have a fair amount. I work with clients all the way out Pennsylvania, all over the state of Wisconsin, southeastern mm -hmm. Minnesota, northeastern Iowa, you know, south central Illinois I've been to, Indiana, Michigan is big. Uh, I got a week planned here in February where I'll be going to Michigan and doing uh, consultations for, I think, four or five clients over there. Okay. So I get around. And, Sounds uh, like it. And it looks like business is really well. Yeah, it's, it's, it's coming along really well. I, I launched Epic Whitetail Habitat um, a year ago mm -hmm. in December. So it would have been December 2017. Mm -hmm. um, so 2018 was a learning curve. Building that client base, and here in 2019, um, as I look ahead, I, I, I couldn't be more blessed as far as the growth that Epic Whitetail Habitat has, has grown to, and uh, I'm, I'm really excited and looking forward to this year, working with new clients and uh, providing a lot of value. And what, uh, what goes into the plan, consultation and plan is, like I said, I come out, and I address the three major, mm -hmm. three major topics, and then we break it down. You know, going over strategies such as, you know, adding notch scrapes, um, water holes, like I said, um, uh -huh. tree stand placement, how you're accessing your tree, or how you're accessing your stand locations, whether it be a tree stand, a ground blind, a ladder stand, um, tips that you can do to really silence your ladder stands because as we all know ladder stands with linchpins and everything else are creaking and cracking all the mm -hmm. time 
I use uh, uh, Gorilla Tape. That seems to be yes. quite... It's it absolutely seems to be one uh, uh, tree stand that it seems to be doing really, really well. Because yep. I have those cotter pins in there, too, as well. Yeah. me up to it. And I don't hear any creaking one. Even, and even and that's when good. I shot my buck um, in 17, yep. I, it's like he knows I was there. I called him in, and it's like I put an arrow in him, and that's the end of that story. Yeah. Now it's like I'm a little more skeptical about it because it's like, well, now maybe did, did I send off a flare letting people know it's like hey there's there's a guy that comes and sit in that, and sits in that tree yeah it's like, right it's pretty open and it's like when i'm looking at it in the fall when it's still a lot of green foliage there's like i really don't have a lot of cover in this spot right here it's mm-hmm. like how i got this uh, deer to come in it was a perfect storm because the wind was in my favor i called yep. them incorrectly and it just it just worked in my yep. favor and and sometimes that's the way it goes i know mm-hmm. um one of my good friends who did a major um logging project on his land okay they left he had his tree stand in the tree at the time of logging. So here's this lone tree mm-hmm. in the middle of this big clear cut. It was a slight cut, but it looked more like a clear cut. Mm-hmm. And uh, the following fall, he went in there and sat there. And he shot a buck out of that stand the first morning in. And like he said, you know, you feel like you don't have a lot of cover around you. But you just pick and choose when you move. You know, you watch that. Mm-hmm. You pay attention to that deer. And when he's not looking at you, that's when you make your move. And he's absolutely right. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times you just don't need to cover. You just need to sit still and blend and have everything in your favor. Mm-hmm. And it worked out for him. Yeah, I can, I can get behind that too because it's like when I saw that buck first come out, he was over 80 yards away. And it's, but he, it was, I was blurry when I saw him, when he, he could see me. So it's like that's when I had the arrow, already everything knocked in. I already had my hand on the bow, ready to go in. And the other one was just grunting him in. And then I also had to switch between the grunt and the range fighter to make sure yep. it's like I get him in close enough. And, uh, but it took me over a half, over a half hour to shoot him. But it's like by that time, it's like the drill's pumping at, at minute one, but time, by the time uh, minute 30 came around. I was calm. I was collected, and it's like I just—it's like you always got to see through your target. And my picture was going straight through his cavity, through the other side of the ground. And it's like I didn't make all the way through because I saw where the arrow stopped, but it still made it made it double lung puncture, and it was just perfect. Yeah. The, the, the best part is, it's like if he if it wasn't such an exact uh, fatal shot, yep. I would never found him. Sure. Because because it's like where I shot him, it was so high up there, no blow would have just spurted out. So I was like, yep. well, this could be a long trip, or like but like I told you, it's like forty yards away from where I shot him, and there he yep. was just over sure and and i run into a variety of clients going back to what i what i do on a consultation and uh, a lot of them want to do the work themselves which is absolutely great um i offer to implement the plans as well mm-hmm. and uh i'll show guys but for the guys that want to do a lot themselves but maybe they've never hinge cut a tree before okay. i'll bring i'll bring my chainsaw along and my hand saws along paracord things like that. I've got a habitat hook that helps with hinge cutting mm-hmm. and brush removal, things like, you know, things like that. And, uh, why don't you break down a hinge cut? For a hinge cut. It? And it's like, I have an idea how to do it. I've never done it myself. Yep. It's like, I don't have enough trees to really do that. I'll sh- once we finish up the podcast, I'll show you yep. a, a, an overview of what my property looks like, but break us down that hinge cut. And you said you, you have a hook. Yeah. I have a habitat hook. That's a push pull. Mm-hmm pole that uh the one i currently have is about seven and a half eight feet long mm-hmm. and uh but i always tell my clients if you're going to do a lot of this yourself um i would get the extendable version mm-hmm. habitat hook is the name of the company that makes them they're located okay. in michigan i'm not sure exactly where in michigan okay and uh 90 bucks for the one i have and mm-hmm. i think it's 130 bucks for the extendable one mm-hmm. i always recommend the extendable one for the larger trees you get more leverage on them that way mm-hmm. um 
very cool tool, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy that thought about it was, it's an ingenious idea, and it really helps. Probably was probably from a previous experience logging, because Michigan, yeah. Minnesota, especially further up north you get, it's yep. a very logging-oriented Yeah, I would have to agree with that. And uh, But, yeah, t- little tips and tools like that. Um, I have one client that he is absolutely petrified of the, the thought of hinge cutting a tree, you know, what if it breaks off and kicks back and hits me and things? And that's, yeah, it's a, it's a fair thing. I've done that's that for a sure. very honest. Yeah, that's that's scary because yes, one it time is. Where I was cutting a, a tree, uh, a, a tree and it, uh, and it's like it has so much tension on it. And what I ended up doing is it ended up kicking, doing a three sixty and slamming right into my thigh. And it's like, oh, yep. that's gonna hurt. And that was that was brought like noon and still had another eight hours yep. to go. Yep. It's like you, when you're when you're out cutting, you do it from sun up to sundown because you got so much work to do. You don't know when the next time you're gonna get back out there. And it's like I was doing work with my landlord down at the time in southern Iowa. And it's like we had a lot of work to do to prepare because it's like this is still um, beginning of June and we still had to get through J- July and August. And like it's just you know like, you only get worse. It's like we got to focus as much done as possible but yeah i know i can understand the fear of it but um now when you hinge cut how high up do you go before you make your notch i i recommend from about the middle of my shin i'm six foot three okay from the middle of my shin up to about mid chest height okay um there are cases where i will go a little bit higher but it really depends what i'm doing the hinge cutting for whether it be for screening um bedding areas you know everybody has the misconception that we're trying to create this false canopy for deer to crawl under and that's that's really not what a deer wants Mm -hmm. especially um here in ag country like we are here in west central wisconsin you can get away with a little bit more of a canopy effect Mm -hmm. like in the northern parts of northern michigan northern wisconsin northern Mm -hmm. minnesota where you know you get into those deep cedar thickets up there is cedar swamps where they're actually spruce trees okay. and tamarack trees. But still, they've got that canopy from those limbs and stuff in which they will bed underneath all that. But down here, what we're trying to do with hinge cutting is create side cover. Deer wants side cover. Um, we're not completely trying to block them off. I mean, you can with tornado zones, edge feathering, whatever. Mm-hmm. But it, you, at the same time, we don't want the deer to feel trapped in our hinge cut bedding areas and stuff. So we're creating pockets, felling trees in certain directions, separation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, You could have three, four, maybe up to five doe and fawn family groups in a hinge cut bedding um, area. And we're creating separation from those smaller deer groups to take the stress off the deer as well. Okay. And yeah. And then creating travel corridors, like I said, um, but again, they have escape routes. Yes, we want them to go down a certain travel corridor, but if danger were to come in there, say like a coyote, any type of predator, bear, bobcat, what have you, they can escape out of there easily as well. They're not trapped in there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, You mentioned here about a minute ago about screening. What do you mean by screening deer? Um, screening deer, basically screening, say, you're accessing your stand. Okay. And they're in a bedding area. You know where it is, but your access to your stand is close by. We're creating basically a wall mm-hmm. using trees. Or um, like in the case of a food plot, you can screen with uh, switchgrass, sorghum sedan grass, things mm-hmm. like that. And it's a, it's a visual barrier. And uh, again, separating deer groups out in a food plot. 
mm-hmm. you know, taking the stress off. Because anytime, you know, deer are in contact with each other, that's, that's a stress level. Um, you get the bachelor buck groups in the summertime, things like that. It's just, that's stress on deer, especially mm-hmm. fawns. Bucks don't want to be around those fawns and they'll let fawns. I've seen plenty of bucks kick the crap out of fawns because they don't want them around. So it just, mm-hmm. you know, it takes that stress factor out. And plus, like I said, going back to the stand access for hunters and, mm-hmm. and everything. And it just, that visual barrier where we're not bumping deer out of the bedding areas or out of the food plots as we approach our stand locations. Mm-hmm. Now, after the consultation and after you get done with the client, uh, what do you, do you provide them ongoing support after that? I, I do provide ongoing support. What I do after the con- consultation, after taking notes, pictures, everything of their property, I come back and I and I draw out a map of their property and how where bedding locations, food plots, travel corridors, screening, everything should be located. Mm-hmm. I map that out mm-hmm. in a software system that I use. Print that map out. I actually laminate the map for everybody too, so it doesn't get ruined when it's in the folder or anything like that. It's value in that one piece of yeah. paper. It makes yep. sense to me. I don't, I'd, I'd appreciate somebody yep. doing that for me because especially when you're going out there or you're bringing like it's a um, holiday hunt or a youth hunt and stuff like that, you, yeah. you can bust out this laminated sheet here and you can show them like, well, this is how they go, especially if they're like 10, 12, 15 years old. Like this, uh, but this is how we're going to do it. And like this is why we're doing it. Yep. And it gives them a good, excellent teaching tool to keep, Bring, keep that participation growing. Absolutely. And then I break out or I break it down into sections of the property too. So I'll mm-hmm. blow up a section of the map because really that's what I'm doing when I'm out on a property is breaking that property down into smaller sections. Say I'm on an 80 acre parcel, I'm going to have it broke down into eight, 10 acre sections. And, and what I kind of go a little further when I break it down as to actually writing out an exact plan, written words for that section. Okay. What, you know, why we have our stand located here, why you're going to access it this way, um, mm-hmm. what's going to be in the food plot if it's a section of food plot, um, how and why we're hinge cutting where we are, if that's what we need. You know, not every property needs hinge cutting, but most properties do. Um, what we can do as far as making mock scrapes, you know, do we saw off a smaller oak tree or whatever tree it is and implant it like a fence post for, for a mock scrape? Do we take a cedar fence post and, and staple with fence post staples, you know, some branches on top of it? Um, mm-hmm. apple tree recommendations for this section, you know, for that soft mass affected deer, you know, just that variety of food that deer seek throughout mm-hmm. the season. Mm-hmm. Um, and I break it down and I write it out for guys. And it's just a little extra added value. It takes a lot of my time, but I really enjoy telling the story as it goes too. Mm-hmm. So people aren't confused. I, I know a couple other habitat managers that at the end of the day, they just leave their client a map and that's what they have to go on. Mm-hmm. Um Yes, they do get some support on the back end, I'm sure, with follow-up phone calls, consultations that way. But I like to have it written out. So they have a complete understanding of what I mean smart. when I map it out. Because you have kids, and so I was like, it's, it's, it's not like you're treating them as a child, but it's like it, you, you have that teaching aspect. Yeah. Because I, all I do for my day-to-day job is I teach people how to do stuff. And it's like in that detail right there can help them out. And if they have a, a resource guide, 
that they can always look at. It's like, okay, and then he call up like or text like, what yep. does this mean, real quick? And it's like it's two second text message done, and they're like and then now that saves them an hour's worth of work by, yep. because of what you told them. I think that's smart because I think that creates a, a solid value on that plan. This plan, yep. it's not just one season. This is this will last the entire lifespan Absolutely. of the property as long as nothing major happens yep. to it. And then I like to uh, I offer a free consultation the following year to the uh, client to uh, come out and. You know, see what worked, break down what worked, what didn't, where can we improve, you know, what's working great, and we can leave alone. And uh, I think that's smart. Come back yeah. and offer them and see how everything worked out because now you're getting their own customer feedback. Yep. And you can also turn around and turn it into a, uh, uh, a recommendation too for that. Yes. Yeah. This way then they can, they can show that extra value into that. Absolutely. Now, have you had to tackle any uh, burn properties yet? I have not yet. I know that's coming. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually. Had my first property that was enrolled in the MFL program here in Wisconsin. MFL is what? Um, managed forest land. Okay. And uh, they don't, they kind of frown on doing any type of hinge cutting or anything that manipulates the trees in any way without their approval first, the, okay. the entity that controls that program. So mm-hmm. um, I run into my first one back in December, but that'll be coming out of MFL this summer. So those guys pretty much have open range to anything they want to do after Fantastic. the first of June. So that'd be kind of interesting because now too bad California didn't have the, 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 the flexibility of hunting. Like we do a lot of yeah. West. It's like, that would be fun to go out there and like to, to, to just to learn from it because we, with the likeness of seeing a major fire like that is yeah. slim to none, but you know, it's like, you never know when something goes, something gets wild hair and destroys a lot of like your, your absolutely. Energy. So that would be interesting to do. Cause uh, I don't know who to even talk to cause, but I think that'd be a fun thing. That'd be a fun conversation and how they would handle the yeah. science behind the, that. Cause I know, uh, Newberg and a lot of people use those burn maps to help them go back the, the several years down the road to go back after their, to go after white, uh, muleys, white tails. Elk absolutely. Inside. Absolutely. Let's see. And then, um, I think we get. I think we discussed discuss the value of the, the of the epic whitetail habitat because it's like what you told me about writing all that breakdown that uh, that written plan. Now, my question is, what's the smallest parcel you're willing to step on? I'll go down all the way to two acres. Really? Yep. It takes it takes a totally different mindset and a different approach. Every property does. Mm-hmm. That's um, true. I said we, we hunt on five acres. Yep. It's like I, we, we and it's like the cool thing is we have multiple access points on it, and it's yep. not a, and it's not a park view. It it, it bends and it's got a lot of because like there's a, there's a time where her and I are no more than 150 yards apart. Mm-hmm. We can't hear each other either. Either we're, we're turkey uh, turkey hunting or white tail. We can't. I can't hear her bleats, and she can't hear me grunts. Like, well, this throws a wrench into it, like where we where we reset our tree stands and our blinds up because we have all that sound barrier. Like, and so it's like we're here. We are worried about pitch. And, and how loud it is. And it's like, well, if I can't hear you, if I'm sitting where you're at, you're sitting where I am, it's like, how are the deer going to hear us? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I mean, every every property is different. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, I could go all the way down to two acres. I can, I've got an opportunity to go all the way up to a thousand acres. Have which, you had a chance to go to a thousand acres yet? Um, that's coming. Oh, that's this spring. exciting. It will be. You know, I won't have to be I won't have to micromanage it like I do a smaller property because mm-hmm. you're spread out more. Mm-hmm. You know, you're taking the pressure off. I mean, a thousand acres, that's a, lot, that's a lot of land that you can get away with a lot more activity on that property. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe less is more in a situation like that, too. Absolutely. Because maybe you can only fix a couple spots here or there. And it's like, it sounds like you got, and in this way, you can just kind of maybe rearrange the corridors is like where they have a consistent traveling yeah. from point A to point B to point C. Yep. And then, so what drives you behind this? Uh, um, 
what drives me? Yeah, the habitat. I, I, I'm not doing it just for me. Mm-hmm. I have, I have four young children. I have two stepsons, age 14 and 12, mm-hmm. that uh, love to hunt with me as mm-hmm. well. And that's all I want is I want my boys to have the success that I've enjoyed in my life of mm-hmm. hunting. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it was really exciting to watch them take their first deer. I got more thrill out of that than I did myself. Mm-hmm. I have a two-year-old and a five-month-old, mm-hmm. and just to see their smiles on their faces, I never want to see a tear run down their face mm-hmm. um, from anything that I did. And yeah. my wife, she is my rock. She is my support system. Um, she really stands behind our business, and mm-hmm. she's part of the business as well financial yeah. end of it. Um, mm-hmm. Very smart. I'm very grateful to have her in my life, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to finances, because I was not so financially secure before I met her. And I know. My fiance is the same way, too. She's a little more financially sound than I am, so it's like, yep. here's my money. Just make sure it all goes right spot, and we still have a roof over our head. Absolutely. Car. Absolutely. So, which is, it's it's good to have that balance, that team. You know, I what drives me behind myself is my little daughter, too. It's like, uh, last year, she caught her first bass, and it's like, I was more excited than she was. It's like, now she just, like, I was talking to her yesterday. We had an hour-long conversation between not, no music, no nothing. We're talking about school. We're talking about how her baby brother's doing, and uh, she's just in a and on her way here, it's like she wanted to go sh- go arch. She wanted to go to the archery range. I didn't even prompt her to it. She wanted to do it. So, I was like, and it. so it's like I like hearing that because I'm not. I guess I'm not going to pressure her to do it. Yep. She wants to do it. And then for her birthday, we got because I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to see her until after her birthday. Okay. So what we did is we we saw at Walmart and they had this um, triangle a dartboard sure. and it's targeting hat and it came with a com- uh, uh, a bow, <laughs> a crossbow, and uh, a rifle. And she and we opened it up last night for her birthday and she and we set it up today and she's just loving it. And oh. She just Hooping cool. and hollering, it's like, Dad, look what I did! Look what I did! And it's, it's cool. like, it's like, and she, I come out and she's got a, a headshot, and it's like, well, you didn't ruin any meat, and it's like, it's like, it's like, I wasn't, I wasn't yep. worried about the antlers. It's like you didn't ruin any meat. That's all that matters. Because I want to show them that a, 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 a rack is nice to have, but that's just the story behind it. It's the meat what drives us because uh, it allows us to show them the feed. I'm like, I have people now. I, I now do. Um, uh, we do cookouts every once in a while okay we're like this past summer I, I brought venison in and i showed them how to do uh, uh didn't show them how to do i prep prepared some mm-hmm. uh venison shish kebabs then um amanda payne she does uh deer hunt deer recipes she runs her own blog it's like my recipe i uh, debuted for that because she asked me like almost a month prior it's like i it's like i had to come up with something that i thought was really confident to, 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 to demonstrate and like results are really good food and it's like i had 12 people that i had no leftovers i had nothing so it's like this is it, guys. This is this, that's how I base success off a recipe, um, and that's what drives me. And so now we got uh, got a dinner plan this this week with uh, some friends in the Crescent. Okay, and then we have um, later down the road we're going to do a wild game feed for my friend and his uh, wife. They he runs um, a podcast called Stationary Astronaut. Okay. His is very upbeat, very personal. Uh, it's it's all inspirational. Awesome. He's he's the one that brought in uh, Gary Vinerchuk in Rochester, Minnesota. Oh, cool! So it's like I, I I couldn't make it, but it's like I know him, and it's like I, I follow Gary. I day throughout a day and it's like it's yep. just like i just i don't need him as much as i don't need him as much in my life as some people do but it's like as long as i keep on using that as like kind of a checkpoint where i'm at with my own expectations for myself yeah because i don't want to get lazy and it's like and, I, and it's like now i got a wedding coming up and so it's like i see you always talking about health and wellness and i'm seeing all these people the before and after pictures what do you do what have you gotten this big following about health uh well i tell you health 
we take our health for granted and you know that's kind of my motivation and why my kids are the most important thing in my life mm-hmm. i, w- I want to be their inspiration yeah i want to be their hero mm-hmm. whether it's health you know eating healthy just being healthy physically fit anything like that because we've only got one life to live mm-hmm. and i want to max out my life mm-hmm. in words of ed my life i want to max out yeah and uh so now do you do health cons- consultations i do health yourself? consultations okay. on on online on the side and uh it's really i have no overhead with that business mm-hmm. and you know with the epic whitetail habitat we own equipment we have insurance that we have to pay um, Which reminds me, I have a website for you where they where it's uh, here in Wisconsin. The the, the, the uh, auction is not too far away, but it allows you to actually uh, buy seized equipment, at mm-hmm. prices, tractors, cool. uh, tillers, all that planters, all that fun stuff. Awesome ATVs, um, six six by sixes, trucks, utility trucks, and it's like I got introduced to it on Friday, and it's like, and I send this to, and I want to get this out to backcountrymen, mm-hmm. hunters, and anglers because I'm sure someplace, sometime in the future, this could be useful for them because you do a lot of CRTP land uh, conservation c- cultivations. They go out and they uh, pick out uh, pick up garbage from the fields to let. Uh, we I came I was in Illinois last week, and we're coming up uh, I-39. That state is extremely dirty. Yep, and it's like you you have a workforce in car. Yeah, Just pull them out and get them clean up that up that or Absolutely, there's a lot of people on on food stamps. Like get them, put them back to work. Because we'll, um, my stepdad was saying that back in the 70s and 80s in Iowa, so like to, to to boost um, uh, the GOP and to get people working and stuff like that. They got them out there doing conservation work. So yeah. And it's like, why not? It's like, granted, it may not pay as grandma's, but it's like you're outside, you're doing something. You're that's doing important. something. You're being productive. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, but going back to health. Um, I can have all, I, I basically could have all the success in the world financially and uh, spiritually and with my happiness in Epic Whitetail Habitat. But if I don't have my health, am I going to be happy with all that money? Am I going to be happy mm-hmm. with everything that I have? So I'm so grateful to have my health and, and I do not take it for granted. Mm-hmm. And, uh, mm-hmm. I, I love sharing my story, my health journey, because I got to a point where I was not happy with my weight. Okay. You know, I've never been a big guy. Um, I'm six foot three, and uh, I carried it really well, and I, mm-hmm. you know, I could hide it real well. Mm-hmm. But for myself personally, I was not happy where I was, mm-hmm. and I took it under control. I'm not huge. I'm not. I don't want to be Arnold Schwarzenegger huge, anything like that. But I want to be physically fit. I do all these hunts. I love to go out to Montana with a friend of mine that lives out there and hunt with him. Mm-hmm. And I want to be in shape. This whole reason why I got into this too is, is to meet people. My first uh, uh, pro staff that I got a part of was uh, Dead Red Outdoors. He's based out of Cody, Wyoming. And yep. Wyoming is one of my favorite states. So I like. I, oh like, yeah. I spent um, a, about a decade ago. I was, I was homeless, and so it's like I decided to go hitchhiking. Mm-hmm. And I spent about three weeks in Wyoming, just snaking my way through. And it's just an absolute beautiful thing. But well, in order to hunt that state, you have to either have a guide or have a resident that lives there. So it's like, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna start doing this and start advertising for products that it's like I don't currently use, but it's like I, I like the message behind it. I like what the like the product stands for. It's all it's either American made or it's like American influence, and it's just fantastic. So then from there, it went it got me into where I'm at right now. Which has been fantastic. Yep. It's been a great thing. And uh, I can understand, like, for me, it's like I, at one point in time, I was over 300 pounds and I dropped the way down 200. It's like, it's like now, it's like I'm at a point where I need to focus on myself to get myself healthy again. And um, I have bad knees and it's like, it's, it's just, it's just a, not 
t- what happens is just when and I need to go in and get them yep. done. And it's like now it's kind of been refocusing how I want to project the next 10, 15, 20 years of my life because absolutely it is a, it is a, uh, a strategy that's it's like it's gonna be it's gonna be expensive because knees are not cheap. No, they're not. They're not. And uh, I want to leave this earth the best version of myself when that time comes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm chasing the best version of myself every day. I don't. I'm not going to be who. I am right now tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I do believe at the end of my life, and I'm not going to get all religious here on you because I'm not a Bible thumper, but I am a Christian and I believe in God mm-hmm. and I believe that we go to heaven when we die. Mm-hmm. And when I meet God, I feel that he's going to introduce me to the man that I could have been. And I want to know that man really well. Wouldn't it be funny if he showed you a mirror? I know it. <laughs> I know it. I know it. I, I agree with you too. It's like I'm not a Bible thumb myself, but I do have faith, and it's like, yep. and everything I do, and it's like, um, I find that a deja vu has been kind of like my check mark in life. Like, it's like whenever I have these random like where I'll be off like five seconds, all of a sudden I come back to reality. It's like I was meant to be here. Yeah, it's like it's happened to me when I met my fiance. What's happened Absolutely. to me when I, met, when I came here, driving up that big hill, it just kind of clicked in me. So it's it's my own way of like God's guiding me on my own, my own path to putting me where I need to be at. Because it's like Absolutely. in a few years, it's like I don't know where this is gonna lead me to. But it's like in the last five, it's like now I run a podcast. I have I run the Bucks of Wisconsin side of everything, the, the merchandise building our, our clientele. I mean, this year, this fall alone, I skyrocketed almost four thousand people. That's and it's awesome. like and, and what all what ended up happening was that the um, Bill uh, uh, Crosby or Cosby out of Northern uh, over by Chippewa Falls, okay. he shot a five hundred sixty pound bo- uh, boar up there and it, during um early season uh bear hunting and that just like it it, it blossomed thing because people thought like well this is impressive because mm-hmm. like this is an old mature boar that knew it's gonna it's start gonna be a little more aggressive because it's getting older it's massive and then it caused controversy between the both left and right and, and animal lovers themselves but, yep. but uh just recently somebody decided to go take a selfie with a bear and it's like well he found out the hard way that you you can't give a bear a hug and when you exactly. watch a uh, paddington bear it gives people the wrong impression yes it, it does this, uh, Disney effect. Yep. And it's uh, Bambi is one of the worst movies out there. I yeah. will not let my daughter watch it because nope. it, is, it gives her the wrong impression. And it's like, God put these these animals on earth for our food. Now, absolutely. Now, he gave us the dominion over the animals. Exactly. And you can uh, you can live, you can be a vegan as much as yep. you want. It's, Go ahead. Be to each their own because it's like, it's karma as well as things. And it's, yeah. I'm not going to talk bad about you because it's like, great, you're healthier, you're living life. It's like, all I care about is happiness because yep. happiness drives good karma, good energy, and it, and it puts you in a different Absolutely. place. Absolutely. Happiness is a decision. Mm-hmm. And everybody everybody puts an attachment on happiness. Mm-hmm. I'll be happy when. Yes. When I have this new car, I'll be happy. When I have this video game, when I have this TV, when I have this house, mm-hmm. it's temporary happiness. Mm-hmm. I just choose to live my life in a state of gratitude. Therefore, I'm happy every single day of my life. I was listening to uh, Jordan B. Jordan B. Uh, Peterson's podcast. It's, he's a doc, he's a doctor in psychology up there in um, Toronto, and he was talking about the b- book of Saint Thomas that was found back in ni- in the 1950s and stuff like that. Okay, and there's the expert in it's like where it's like it's talking about like heaven is earth. Mm-hmm. And it's like you don't have to go into a church or what that. There's no heaven. It's like it wasn't it like the the interpretation that I heard from his voice. It sounded like there wasn't actually a uh, psych a or sort of like like a fantasy word version of heaven. It's like he was talking about this is heaven. You create your own heaven. You create this own hell. And it's like it's like we have that opportunity. We have that self control. That's why he gave us free will, where mm-hmm. we can create our own heaven. And we can create our own hell. And there's people out there 
that are that are in prison because they created their own hell because it's like but then also they 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 were came they didn't get rise up out of the, the depths of their early years where they where they kept uh, held on to this negativity mm-hmm. instead of blossoming into something free and knowing it's like we have to fight good and evil every single day it's like we have Absolutely. murderers out there we have child rapists out there so that's our evil that's our demons yep. that are out there in society and it's like luckily there's a lot of great people i mean there's seven billion people in the world right now yep and there's not one horrible dictator out there yeah right we don't have hitler anymore no we don't or mao Zedong. so yep absolutely so those are those are the real devils those are the real demons yes they are really rose to power and it's like the charismatic vision yep it sure is so it's like well maybe the devil's already come and passed now it's now we're coming because currently in this time of societies we are the most peaceful it's ever been yeah we, we do really have are. I mean, granted, we have the war on terrorism, but that's just a ploy to make money. Yeah, you know, it, it really is. Which is sad because it's like after learning about like um, during the Gulf War, why it was short, so short was that they had uh, pictures of caskets in the news. Mm-hmm. Well, then Bushes came in when, when we had the next, um, after 9-11, well, then they, they passed laws to keep that out of the newspaper. So that's why we have this eight, 18-year war on yep. fantasy. Yep. And, you know, like... You could go into politics, you know, oh, this person got elected, so now our country, our economy is really going to go downhill. Why not create your own economy? There there, there's abundance mm-hmm. everywhere on the face of this earth. Mm-hmm. We, li- we do live in the greatest country in the world. I don't mm-hmm. care who our president is. I don't care who our elected officials are. We live in the greatest country in the world. Mm-hmm. That's why everybody wants to come here. Yeah, everybody does, and that's why we don't have any suicide bombings. Absolutely. You know, and then plus on top of that, it's like, thank God for the Second Amendment because people, yes. we learned our lesson, and uh, it's from from years past. It's like we do what we did, what has happened throughout history, and now it's like we, we, we've created, I guess you call it heaven because now we have the most overweight people in the world because they've gotten complacent. Yeah, they have. <laughs> they, they really have gotten complacent. And they have to the American about, they diet are is... growing for their food. They don't have to worry about hunting for their food. It's yeah. Like they just got a credit card. It's like, oh, there's some pork right there. Yep. There's some venison. Yep. There, well, not venison, but uh, beef and all the products. Yep. So. And how many calories did they burn doing that? Nothing. Nothing. Uh, yeah. Exactly. But... Uh, yeah, I just, I live my life to be the best version of myself. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything else you want to bring into play? I don't at this time. Okay, so last, on Friday, we just, I just had to come up um, with three questions I want to ask my guests. My first one is, what is your favorite meat? My favorite v- meat is by far venison. Okay. Whitetail. All right, then. And then what would be your favorite thing to hunt? My favorite thing to hunt, and it's a goal that I've set for myself, whether I'll achieve it or not, I don't know, but it, it's a driving factor for me. I want to get the North American Grand Slam, a bighorn sheep. Wow. Being the desert bighorn, Rocky Mountain bighorn, doll sheep, and stone sheep. And then um, my last one is, what is your favorite fish to catch? My favorite favorite fish is by far trout. Very cool. I love fly fishing for trout, catch and release. Um, I I rarely will ever keep a trout to eat, Mm -hmm. but uh, there's just something about fly fishing. You know, we live around some major trout streams here in west central wisconsin i love going out to montana mm-hmm. wyoming to fly fish it's just it's kind of my zen mm-hmm. i get lost in it it's a rhythm and life is a rhythm mm-hmm. it's a heartbeat and i live from my heart you know the great thing about everybody i've asked this is your third person i've asked but everybody's giving me a different answer every single time when i ask about the favorite meat because like people may have had uh, uh mountain lions like yeah like, sure it's like whatever your favorite meat is but thank you for sharing everything i mean this has been a great podcast we're coming just under an hour it's like i think this is going to give a lot of people a very sense of value of 
epic whitetail habitat. So thank you, Ryan, for being part participating in this, and we'll have you again on it. I think this was a lot of fun. I think we'll once we, once once you get some more stories when you come back from you Pennsylvania, Michigan, I want to hear about them. You bet. No problem. Thank you today for today. You're welcome.